0: Hey, everybody, it's an exciting time of the year for sports. Super Bowl 54 in Miami this Sunday. You got UFC 247 coming up. John Jones takes on Dominic Reyes in the main event. And without a doubt, people are going to be looking to get in on the action as well as the fun. And we have the best place for you to go. My bookie, if you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. My bookie has more Lines and better odds for the player than any other sportsbook around And if you join right now, right this second my bookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000 That means if you deposit $2,000 right now You get an extra grand in free money to play with All you have to do is use our promo code BLV to activate the offer Once again, that promo code is capital BLV To get your extra cash from my bookie. Bet, win, get paid, My MyBookie Today is Monday, January 27th, 2020, and there really wasn't much going on this weekend, to be honest. I mean, the Pro Bowl, who cares about that? Honestly, WWE hosted the Royal Rumble down at uh, Minute Maid Park on Sunday night, but according to the analytics, you guys don't like to talk pro wrestling news that much, but a lot did go down last week, and a bit of news that I didn't cover was the news that the captain, number two, Derek Jeter, was inducted into the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame as a part of the 2020 class with Larry Walker, who is also very deserving out of the Colorado Rockies. Special shout-out to Larry's SpongeBob jacket that he wore on MOB Network. Should have been in the Hall way sooner, but uh, I wanted to give a full-depth look into the Hall of Fame career of the captain, Derek Jeter. Five-time World Series champion, 14-time All-Star, six-time Gold Gloves, six-time Silver Slugger Award winner, most postseason hits in Major League Baseball history, the most hits in New York Yankees history, and the only man in pinstripes to ever reach 3,000 hits. He's, he got in with a 99.7% of the vote, meaning only 1%. One- out of 368 368- Baseball writers didn't vote for him. We'll try to get down to the nitty-gritty. We'll try and get down to the bottom of it. We'll talk about some of the best moments in El Capitan's career on and off the field. We'll take a look back at what Yes Network analyst Jack Curry had to say about the captain during our interview in San Diego at the winter meetings last month, what Jeter meant to the game of baseball for the better part of two decades, and much more on episode 147 presented by Belly Up Sports. Super Bowl LIV in Miami. This weekend, this Sunday And if you don't have any special friends or rich friends That can get you tickets Your buddy Jack can help you out, at the very least With a $10 discount $10 off your purchase by using The promo code OSHO10 That's capital O-S-H-O-W-10 By using TickPick.com Don't you forget about Mecha Nutrition, they're offering all new kinds Of muscle boosters, creatine Amino acids, pre-workouts Much more, and all you gotta do is use The promo code OSHO20, that's capital O HOW20 for twenty dollars off your next order using Mecca Nutrition. If you're into banging eggs, eating steaks, and sleeping eggs from the road to Cooperstown. Let's go. 27th, it's a Monday. We got an action packed week for you today. We'll revisit that interview with Jack Curry talking about the captain, Derek Jeter. On Wednesday, we got Daryl Reynolds, Villanova champ, 2016 NCAA champ in the house. And then on Friday, we'll have Toronto Blue Jays prospect Chavez Young. Uh, Action packed week, three interviews for you. But today is all about the captain, Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter did just about everything a player can do during his 20 years as a Yankee shortstop. I mean, the last 11 and a half of them were as the team's captain. Uh, Derek never was voted American League MVP, wasn't a home run hitter, was never said to be one of the best players in baseball. He never looked at Derek Jeter and said, this guy has raw talent. He's one of the best players I've ever seen. But he did top that by winning a World Series MVP. He's also sixth all-time with 3,465 hits. He went to 14 All-Star games. He won five gold gloves, four silver sluggers, and most importantly, was a key member of five. Not one, not two, not three, not four. Five Yankees championship teams and seven pennant winners. I won't count those out, but seven pennant winners as well. And, of course, five years into retirement, Jeter received baseball's greatest honor last Tuesday night when he was voted into the Baseball Hall of Fame as a first ballot candidate. Although I will say he missed joining Mariano Rivera as uh, two unanimous selections by just one vote. There was just one guy out of 368 guys who didn't vote for Derek Jeter. I can attest that Jack Curry was not one of them. But you look back at so many great moments and great achievements in Derek Jeter's career, who's going to be inducted in the Hall of Fame on July 27th. I mean, of course, drafted by the Yankees back in 1992. He was born in New Jersey, raised in Kalamazoo, Michigan, grew up rooting for the Yankees, and as a high school senior he actually joined the organization as the club's first round draft pick sixth overall the first overall pick in that draft is the Yankees current third base coach Phil Nevin and I think even he will tell you that uh I think it was the Astros who selected him really screwed up on that one and then of course uh, uh everybody will look back at Derek Jeter's debut on uh, in May of 1995 uh he was hitting ninth in the order he went 0 for 5 with a strikeout wearing the infamous number two I mean he was the first Yankee he's signed that number since uh, mike gallego i think he had it from 1992 to 1994 and jeter in his first at bat let off the third inning with a short fly ball uh, off of uh, rafael carmona back in 1995 i think it was against the blue jays and his first hit came on may 30th so just a day later it was what his 21st birthday a couple weeks before his 21st birthday jeter got i think two hits that day in his second big league game going two for three and a yankees loss in Seattle so they were playing the Mariners not the Blue Jays, the Mariners in Seattle in front of about 10,000 people at the kingdom and then of course things really kicked off in 1996 obviously with the core four you had Jeter, Rivera, Posada, and Pettit all, all in the early stages of their career, I mean in 1996 Who could forget the Jeffrey Mayer game I, mean, I think it was game one of the 96 American League Championship Series that'll be forever remembered in the Yankees lore because a 12 year old a 12 year old Yankee fan reached over the right field wall at Yankee Stadium to catch a a fly ball by Jeter that was ruled a game-tying home run. That would become, I think, a 5-4 win. I think Bernie Williams hit the walk-off in Game 1 of the '96 American League Championship Series, and in today's game, that would have been overruled. I mean, replay would have taken over. That wouldn't have counted, but back then it counts. It's a most memorable, one of the most memorable home runs of Derek Jeter's career, all thanks to Jeffrey Mayer, and of course the Yankees go on to win the World Series. Uh, Their first World Series title since 1978 happened in 1996. Charlie Hayes makes the catch with Jeter right beside him, became a World Series champion for the first time as a rookie when the Yankees ended that 17-year title drought by beating the Braves in six games. Uh, They were down 2-0 in that series. Who could forget? They lost the first two games at home, won the next three in Atlanta, which nobody thought was probable. And then, of course, when game six at home, John Wetland on the mound uh, after Rivera pitched the seventh and the eighth. Who could forget Joe Girardi's uh, two-run triple late in that game? And then, of course, Derek Jeter standing right beside Charlie Hayes when Hayes caught the final out in foul territory uh, to send the Yankees to their 24th World Series championship in franchise history. And then in 1998, obviously, that was the year Bernie Williams won the batting title, was just unstoppable at the plate for the Yankees, as well as the rest of Major League Baseball. But that was also the year Derek Jeter picked up his first of many, but his first 200-hit season. I mean, he reached the 2000-hit uh, plateau uh, eight times in his career. And, of course, the first coming in 1998, he three twenty-four was with 203 hits. They win their second World Series Title that year in October against the San Diego Padres. I mean, the 1998 Yankees, of course, are the winniest uh, team uh, in history with 125 wins. The first 114 in the regular season, then 11 more in the postseason. That ended with the franchise second championship in three seasons, and that was the 24th overall. So the 23rd was in 1996, 24th in 1998, uh, and then of course in 1999 as a leadoff hitter or the number two hitter for that matter. Um, for about 12,000 of his career plate appearances, Jeter had his only 100 RBI season in 1999 when he established career highs for average. He had 349 in 1999, hit 24 homers in 1999, had 102 ribbies in 1999, and RBI number 100 was on a ground rule double in a, in a 6-5 loss to Tampa Bay against the Devil Rays. But that was his only 100 RBI season with the Yankees in 20 years, and then of course, later that year in October uh, hit a career high 349 he was a career 310 hitter and hit 300 uh, or better 12 times but never won a batting title I mean 99 was his best bet when he hit 349 but of course finishes second to Noma, Nomar Nomar Garcia Parra hit 357 playing shortstop for the Boston Red Sox that year uh, obviously Jeter had the better career Garcia Parra didn't work out in Boston was trading 04 went to the Dodgers had a little bit of a legacy there but not much now he's an analyst they Jeter's in the Hall of Fame And then later in 1999 It was the third World Series title For Jeter in the core four Uh, I think it was their second Yeah, their second World Series win uh, Against the Atlanta Braves Their third in the last four years So at this point they've won in 1996 1998 and 1999, and then in 2000, of course, they'd make it four, but before that, it was in the summer of uh, 2000, Teeter was uh, the All-Star Game MVP. It was his third All-Star Game, uh, it was, and it was his first as a starter. He celebrated it with an MVP performance at Turner Field in Atlanta. He was uh, three for three at the plate, two-run single off of Al Leiter, who was with the Mets at the time, and uh, the AL won it six to three, and it would turn out to be uh, a big factor in the World Series because Jeter would face Al Leiter again uh, the Yankees would win their fourth title in five years and another World Series MVP for Jeter. He hit 409 in the World Series, five World Series games the Yankees were I think they won it in five games against the Mets in the first Subway Series in World Series history. they become the first baseball team to three-peat since the 1972 1973 and 1974 Oakland Athletics. Jeter of course having a big series against Al Leiter in that series with a pair of home And then, who can forget, this is arguably one of his biggest moments in Yankees history, I think. It was October 13th, 2001, Oakland, California, the flip throw. I mean, in game three of the American League Division Series, Yankees are down two games to nothing. Derek Jeter positions himself between home plate and first base to retrieve a throw. ...to the plate from the outfield in which two cutoff men were missed and then instantaneously made a perfect flip throw to home to retire Jeremy Giambi, who was rounding third base. I mean, the Yankees, again, were down two games to nothing, two games to zero in the best of five series, leading one nothing in the seventh inning when Derek Jeter made this great play. And then they held on to win the game one nothing, and then they would go on to win the series three games to do en route to another American League pennant. And Jeter, actually, I I think this was after his press conference with Larry Walker for the Hall of Fame when they put their jerseys on, he actually headed over to MLB Network for, like, the first time ever, for, like, the first time in history and talked things over with Harold Reynolds, talked about the flip play where he threw out Jeremy Giambi at home plate. He said, and I quote, to quote Michael Cole, my job is to watch the runner the runner at first was jeremy giambi said so the ball goes down the line so my job here is to see if there's going to be a play at third base but once you see that giambi is going to go home my job is to then be the third cutoff man to redirect the throw to third base now we don't practice actual uh shuffle passing the ball to home plate if you look at that replay if i actually wanted to throw to third base we could have gotten terrence long at third and jeter here is very quick to point out that right the then Right fielder Shane Spencer threw the ball over the first two cutoff men, which allowed him to make that incredible defensive play that we all remember from 2001. He also said that if Shane Spencer hits one of those first two cutoff men, that Giambi could have been out by about 10 feet. What's notable here, though, is that Jeter pointed out, and this is pretty impressive, is that he was able to tell from the second the ball left Shane Spencer's hand that the two first uh, cutoff men would have no shot at making the play whatsoever. Jeter also joked, considering he played with Jason Giambi for about eight years, that the uh, Giambi family is, quote-unquote, not very fast, so he knew that he had a chance to get him out at home plate, he said, and I quote, I looked at Giambi to see where he was before I actually got to got to throw the ball. He said, when I was about here, which was in the middle of the diamond, I guess he said, uh, I could see that we had an opportunity to get him. Now, if you still see the ball in the air and it's been a clean exchange to throw home, worst-case scenario, if you look at the replay, It could have gone to third, and after breaking down that again, a very iconic moment in sports history, Harold Reynolds actually then brought up a video of a play from a 2011 regular season game against the Tampa Bay Rays, which Derek Jeter almost had a shot to make a similar play. And and I've totally forgot about this game. The ball again was hit down the right field line, and as the throw was coming into the infield, you can see Derek Jeter starting to drift towards home plate, just like he did. uh, I think it was 10 years earlier in 2001. The throw. Ended up going to one of the other cutoff men. So Jeter didn't end up having a chance to make a play. But it showed that flip play kind of same, similar situation. That was uh, something that Derek Jeter was always prepared for. And he said the flip will certainly go down as one of the most spectacular defensive plays in Major League Baseball history. And the fact that Derek Jeter put himself in the right position to make that play is what makes that so special. And like I mentioned earlier, that that was the first Yankee win in that series. And the Yankees come back to win it three games to two. They were down 2-0 in the series, come back to win it. Three games to two, they get past the 116-win Seattle Mariners uh, in the ALCS, which was very impressive. Then the World Series, of course, who who could ever forget Halloween night, that dreaded into November 1st, first game in Major League Baseball history that was played in November. Of course, Reggie Jackson forever became Mr. October with his three-homer game in the Yankees' World Series clincher in 1977. But Derek Jeter... Became known as Mr. November for his 10th inning walk off homer that beat the Arizona Diamondbacks in game four of the 2001 World Series. Three minutes after October 31st became November 1st. So it was four to two Diamondbacks, I believe, bot- or three to one Diamondbacks, excuse me, bottom of the ninth inning, two outs, runner on first base, Tino Martinez. Versus Bunyan and Kim, and Kim gives up the two-run homer to Tino Martinez into the right field bleachers that everyone remembers to tie the game at three. Then in the bottom of the tenth, Derek Jeter goes the other way, hits it right over the wall, skims over the right field wall, the short porch for a vintage Derek Jeter homer, arguably his most popular and most uh, iconic home run in pinstripes, right there uh, to become Mr. Over November. That gave uh, that that tied the series at two games apiece, and then the Yankees ended up winning Game Five in extras as well uh, to go up three-two, but then up blowing it. Uh, no four peat for the Yankees. Mariano Rivera, everybody remembers, giving up that little looper to Luis Gonzalez. Craig Council scores the game-winning run, and uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks win their first and only World Series championship in 2001. Uh, the next big moment happened in 2003. It was June 3rd, 2003, when Derek Jeter was officially named the captain of the New York Yankees. I mean, the unquestionable Yankees leaders for years. Jeter was named The club's I think 11th captain I mean I can't name all of them but of course Lou Gehrig, Thurman Munson, Willie Randolph Don Mattingly just off the top of my head And he's the first in 8 years After that, so eight years, he was named in 2003, so Don Mattingly, of course, the last Yankees captain, and of course, he's named the first one in eight years in a news conference before an interleague game against the Cincinnati Reds at Great American Ballpark, Uh, 2004, July 1st, this is another iconic Jeter moment, another iconic defensive play for Jeter. I mean, who's going to forget Trot Nixon uh, batting for the Boston Red Sox in the 12th inning of a 4-4 game, arguably one of the greatest Yankee Red Sox games of all time, uh, um, July 1st, 2004, Yankee Stadium, the old Yankee Stadium. And Nixon hits a foul pop that appeared to be headed for the stands until Derek Jeter raced over to the line from shortstop and dove over the photographers well into the seats to make a sensational diving catch. I mean, uh, I think it was New York City police officers and fans helped Jeter back to the field. His chin was bloodied, his right cheek was swollen. Jeter was on his way to the hospital For x-rays when the Yankees won 5-4 and 13 innings when John Flaherty Hit a walk-off uh, RBI ground rule double I believe and the Yankees won the game 5-4 and 13 Innings I remember Pedro Martinez got the start In that game served up a long Home run to Jorge Posada um, And again that's, that's back in the heart Of that Yankees Red Sox rivalry That's the year the Red Sox broke their curse That was before they broke their curse I remember Manny Ramirez hit two home runs in that game uh, Very very intense game still a very intense rivalry at the time not so intense anymore but a very intense rivalry at the time one of the greatest most iconic Yankee games in history and that's the dive catch in uh, the summer of 2004 and then of course 2009 there's a long stretch there I'd say from 05 to 08 nothing really going on I mean of course 2008 uh, the final game in the new Yankee Stadium Derek Jeter was arguably one of the greatest speeches in all time, saying that they're going to take all the old memories and bring them across the street into the new stadium, as well as all like the greatest fans in the world. He said, I think it's time to salute you, the greatest fans in the world, which was arguably one of the greatest speeches in Yankee history to go alongside uh, Lou Gehrig's I'm um, the luckiest man on the face of the earth speech. But again, that was one of the greatest speeches, at least uh, on the night of the old stadium. Brian Hoke talked about that a little bit the last time we talked on the show. And then, of course, the year they go back to the World Series, 2009, September 11th, 2009, and that's when Jeter passed Lou Gehrig, Yankees Hall of Fame first baseman, for first place on the Yankees' all-time hits list. Uh, it was a rainy Friday night at Yankee Stadium. Jeter, I think it was two for four, had an RBI in that game. Yankees won 10 4 over the Baltimore Orioles, who were second win at the time. Um, and that was, uh, again, highlighted by his third inning opposite field single on the 10th pitch of an at bat against Orioles right hander pitcher Chris Tillman. And the hit was, I think, 2,722 for Jeter. Jeter passed Garrett for most hits. Um, I think at Yankee Stadium in 2008 During one of the final homestands Against the White Sox Off of Clayton Richard Uh, That passed him for the most hits At Yankee Stadium And now this was for the most hits As a New York Yankee And that's one more than Lou Gehrig Had playing in his entire career With the Yankees from 1923 to 1939 And then of course They capped that year off With his fifth World Series title November 4th, 2009 Yankees took out the defending champion Philadelphia Phillies They won the World Series in six games, Hideki Matsui wins the Most Valuable Player Award. Uh, Rivera gets the final out. Chopper to second base. Shane Victorino hits a chopper to Robinson Cano. On to Mark Teixeira. Yankees are finally back on top as Joe Buck mediocrely screamed. I mean, the franchise—that was the Yankees' first title since 2000, and the 27th overall. It's their last World Series title. was the fifth and final one for Jeter, who hit 417 in that World Series with 11 hits and 27 at bats. Just saying. And then, of course, 2011, July 9th. This is this may be one of his more memorable home runs, if not Mr. Uh, the Mr. November shot. His 3,000th hit. Jeter became the 28th player. And the first Yankee to reach 3,000 hits uh, with his second-inning home run off of a guy who he owned in his career, David Price, when he was with the Rays. And the Yankees won that game 5-4. He went 5-for-5 five five that day. Uh, got the game-winning hit, tie-breaking, RBI single in the bottom of the eighth. Rivera gets the final out in the ninth. Another um, Hollywood script for Jeter. And then, of course, I think in 2013, were, no, these weren't big moments, but uh, comes back off the DL. Remember, he broke his ankle in, I believe it was game one of the A. ALCS against the Tigers, comes back in July after a 10-month, not 10-month, maybe an eight-month hiatus, uh, rehabbing and recovering first pitch off of Matt Moore, takes him deep the other way. I mean, total movie script, right? I mean, and then the next year, the moment that everyone's going to remember when they remember Derek Jeter, September 25th, 2014, final home game at Yankee Stadium, and per usual, Derek Jeter found a way to make a memorable day Extra special for him, walk-off, RBI single off of Orioles right-hander Evan Meek. Yankees win it 6-5 to five at Yankee Stadium, I believe, in the bottom of the second or top of the second inning. He's playing shortstop. The game was tied at two, two outs in the inning, two runners on base. The count was two and two. Two's all around for the captain, screaming Derek Jeter. He's choked up the entire game. Gets a final at-bat in the bottom of the ninth inning, wins it. RBI single. I mean, it's just a movie script. Derek Jeter, where fantasy becomes reality. Did you have any doubt? That's what Michael Kay said. Uh, CC Sabathia was the first one there. Derek Jeter actually jokingly said on Jimmy Fallon that year uh, after he retired during the winter that uh, if he was thrown out, if I forget who the pinch runner was, but if he was thrown out at home plate, and it was a very close play at home plate, if he was thrown out, CC was already halfway to second base celebrating with Jeter. It was just going to be Derek Jeter and CC Sabathia celebrating in the middle of the field in a tie game going into extra inning. So Yankees win that game. Very exciting moment for Derek Jeter. Um, I want to get to the interview with Yes Network analyst Jack Curry that we had back in the winter meetings. Uh, in san diego last month talking about why derek jeter wasn't going to be a unanimous hall of famer in his eyes he felt like someone wasn't going to vote for him and he was he was pretty right one person out of 368 writers did not vote for derek jeter and he'll explain why he talks a little bit about his book with david cohn as well as uh some G- garrett cole news this was the day garrett cole signed his contract with the yankees about I want to say an hour before he signed his contract with the Yankees, I got to sit down and talk with Jack Curry at the baseball winter meetings in San Diego. So let's get to that interview. And afterwards, I want to uh, 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 explain how Derek Jeter's career kind of resembled, kind of mirrored in a way not that he was as dominant as he was, but kind of mirrored Kobe Bryant with the Los Angeles Lakers. Of course, Kobe Bryant, unfortunately, uh, tragically passing away uh, alongside his daughter in that helicopter crash just a few days ago. I wanted to break down both Derek Jeter and Kobe Bryant's career side by side because the numbers are identical, even though Kobe Bryant dominated his sport, whereas Jeter kind of scratching, clawed his way to the top. But I want to compare those after this interview with Jack Curry and after this Quick message from Mecca Nutrition. Do you find yourself constantly working on your physique only to find no real results? Or are you officially fed up with your lack of progress in weight loss and weight gain programs? Then do I have a solution for you? Mecca Nutrition, build a better you. Choose from a variety of products including protein, carbohydrates, creatine, pre workouts, vitamins, and more. Why choose Mecca Nutrition? Mecca Nutrition is a family-owned and operated sports nutrition store located in the heart of Bakersfield, California. Mecca's goal is to provide you the customer with the best customer service, nationally recognized products that you know are tried and true, and most of all, they have the best prices around. If you have any questions or concerns, feel free to contact Mecca Nutrition via social media on Facebook and Instagram, at Mecca Nutrition. You can email them, or you can call the shop as well at... 661-695-9061. 661-695-9061. Again, that's 661 661- 695-9061. five nine zero six one i've been using mecca nutrition products for over a year and a half now and for someone with an extremely high metabolism i can tell you that these products work i gained nearly 25 pounds of muscle after using mecca's select products in the protein and carb aisle with products such as redcon one meal replacement protein and carbs as well as neil's hookups so feel free to call the shop or email mecca's General manager at Neil or Neil at MechanootritionStore.com. Rumor has it if you mention Mecha Nutrition, you may come away with an added discount as well, but you didn't hear it from me. So go check it out if you want to transform your body and get into the best shape possible right now. Mecha Nutrition, build a better you you a real Jack before we go? Okay, out here with Yes Network Analyst and co-author of Full Count with David Cohn, uh, Jack Curry. Thanks for taking the time to sit down with me. First question I wanted to ask you, of course, because you guys are, again, about to go on the Yankees hot stove. Obviously the Garrett Cole news. Steven Strasburg just signs that record-breaking deal, $245 million, 100% ups the ante for Garrett Cole. What do you think the mindset right now is for Brian Cashman from your perspective going into this? Obviously the $300 million mark has been thrown around, but do you think he's going to try and stay under that, maybe like 275, 280? What's exactly your perspective going into this? It's a great question, Jack, and we're we're all following this,
1: and we we all throw numbers out, and we want to try and figure out, through the tea leaves, what is going to happen. First and foremost, I was surprised that Strasburg got $245 I did not think he was going to get that rich a contract, and you said it well. Now that Strasburg got that, Cole is better. He's two years younger, and the same representing him is scott boris and he is absolutely going to shoot for a higher number and he'll get it do we know what that's going to be is it is it eight for 280 is it eight for 300 is is it nine does he say because cole is two years younger he should get a nine-year deal because then he'll be pitching at the same 38 that Strasburg will be when his contract ends i think from a yankee perspective they always have a number in mind i don't exactly what that number is but what i have been told is their plan and they've already done this was to make a very very competitive offer
0: and do you feel like the yes the angels and the dodgers are also in on them obviously the angels are one of the more serious contenders the dodgers have kind of said to be lurkers like in the shadows do you feel like that offer is coming soon because scott boris even said to the media earlier he plans on walking out of san diego this week with a contract and
1: think it has to be because those were the parameters that Boris said he wanted to get those offers this week there was an interesting scene in the lobby about an hour ago where Boris spoke to the media and I was part of the throng that was around him probably about a hundred reporters oh around God. him and the only team he really mentioned was the Yankees he said the Yankees and other teams have made very thorough presentations to call I agree with you I think it's right now Yankees versus Angels I think the Dodgers are on the periphery that could change. The Dodgers could swoop in and, and make an, an offer of X and, and that could end up being something that Cole decides to take but I think the Yankees are very big players in this. They've targeted him as their number one offseason
0: priority and I think that they're going to try and figure out a way to make that happen. And obviously he's the big fish that they're going after right now, but are they keeping close tabs on guys like Brett Gardner, who's seeking a multi-year deal? And of course, Austin Romine, who I would consider is one of the best backup catchers in baseball right now. Well, the two players you just mentioned, I've spoken to both of their
1: agents here, and as far as Gardner goes, I would be very surprised if there's not a between the Yankees and Gardner it's the only team he's ever played for he has value because he is an elite defender in left field and center field he had a career-high 28 home runs last season he's changed his swing to elevate the ball more and he's a leader in that clubhouse so I absolutely think the Yankees are keeping tabs on him there have been conversations they just haven't come to a deal yet as far as Romine goes I agree with you I, I I think the Yankees should value Romine and I think having a backup catcher who can fill in for Sanchez is of vital importance. But I think the Yankees really like Agashioka and the, yeah. the vibe that I'm getting is that Romine will not
0: be returning to the Yankees. That's disappointing for me. Yankee fan, love Austin Romine. I, like, he's one of the few backup catchers in baseball I feel like when you plug him into the lineup it's you're have a positive mindset going into it.
1: Yeah and I talked to Roman at the end of last season about his future and he he absolutely said that New York is a place he would like to stay but again you get into the offseason and Higashioka is a guy who's out of options so perhaps the Yankees see him as that that backup catcher who can slide in and there are, there's a lot to like about Higashioka but I think Romain's someone who's done it and He's done it well for the last two years. I mean, look at his numbers for the last two years. played about 150 games, an OPS of around 730. That's pretty good for a backup catcher.
0: And last question before I let you go. I know you got to go on the air pretty soon here. Derek Jeter, obviously, first year on the ballot this year. No question, first ballot Hall of Famer. In your estimation, Mariano Rivera, first unanimous Hall of Famer. Is Derek Jeter a unanimous Hall of Famer? And if not, what's going to be the argument made against him for some of the writers?
1: Yeah, the thing is... I have a Hall of Fame vote, and he will absolutely get my vote. To try and dig inside the mind of someone who wouldn't vote for Derek Jeter, it's kind of laughable to me if someone found a flaw or decided there was some reason that they weren't going to vote for Jeter. For some reason, I don't think Jeter is going to be unanimous. I think that there will be a voter or more than one voter who maybe talks about his defense uh, and finds a way to take – a shot at a career that is absolutely a first ballot Hall of Fame career. Almost 3,500 hits, the postseason records, all all that he was able to do. So I I love that Mariano finally broke through that and got unanimous selection because I don't think it should have ever taken this long. I just have a suspicion that there, there will be at least one voter who, who doesn't vote for Jeter, and, and, and shame on that voter if it happens. And do
0: you think playing in New York, obviously, under the bright lights, nobody handled New York better mm-hmm. than Derek Jeter. Like, if he were to play for the Padres or the Twins, like, he, I don't think, obviously, wouldn't be a first-ballot Hall of Famer, wouldn't have gotten the same recognition that he did in New York.
1: I think Jeter would have been a Hall of Famer wherever he played. Right. He might not have gotten the same hype and the same yeah. recognition, because New York brings that, but I think Derek Jeter... Would- Wherever he played would have had the same type of career. He had a lot of complimentary pieces around him, some great players in that lineup, and that obviously is always going to help a player. But I, I would never say that just because he landed in New York that that made him a Hall of Famer. I think that contributed to who he
0: he became as a player, but I think he would have been a Hall of Famer in any city. And, one last question that I just thought of right now just bought the book Full Count with David Cohn and yourself is it more of uh, obviously the from life beginning to childhood to end of his career David Cohn but it's also more of like the analytics side when it comes to pitching compared to yesterday's game and or compared from yesterday's game to today's game
1: when we started working on this book David and I it was going to be a, a pitching journey and a lot of pitching stories and a lot of pitching theories in there start doing the interviews, and I think we sat down 42 times, I think we had 42 or 43 interviews, it became a pitching journey and a personal journey so there are a lot of stories about his childhood and his father being his best pitching coach, and there's yeah. stories about his teammates, some that we just mentioned Derek Cheater, Mariano Rivera, Dwight Good and Darryl Strawberry, there there are tales about all of those guys in there as far as analytics, and that's obviously a hot topic, and David loves talking analytics, touch upon it in the book, but I'm not going to lie to you. It's, it's not an analytically driven book. Oh, yeah. There's not 50 pages on analytics. We talk about his career, and I, I think anybody who loves pitching and just loves a great baseball story will be very interested in, in reading what David had to say. I, I have never met a pitcher who
0: spoke eloquently and smartly about the craft than David Cohn. I think he's definitely one of the more equipped players-formed analysts yeah, out there. I agree with Not you. Not that they're all great.
1: I'm I'm biased. He's my teammate, but <laughs> I, I love listening to Coney during a game and what he does during a game too is he, he doesn't just talk about what happens. He, talks about what might happen before it happens as a pitcher, and I, I
0: think that's very impressive to be able to do that. I just got my copy last week, can't wait to read it. Jack Curry, thanks so much for your time.
1: I am so bummed. I forgot to get my girl tickets for the show tomorrow, and now it's sold out. It's her freaking
0: birthday. Oh, dude, she's probably gonna break up with you. He's definitely gonna break up with me. Should've used TickPick. Wait,
1: what'd you say? Tick pig.
0: said oh tick pick i thought you said tick pick no hidden fees download today and thanks once again to yes network analyst jack curry for taking the time to speak to me a couple months ago in san diego at the winter meetings remember to go pick up your hard copy of full count the education of a pitcher by david cone and jack curry talking about the life and the career of David Cohn, you can pick it up at any Barnes and Noble near you. With that being said, I want to talk to you about Derek Jeter and Kobe Bryant's careers, respectively. And before I start comparing them, because there are a lot of similarities between both their careers, Derek Jeter actually put out an emotional uh, article on uh, the Players Tribune uh, to Kobe Bryant. He said, The Kobe I'll Remember. That's the piece that he wrote on uh, January 26th, the day of Kobe Bryant's passing. Again, thoughts and prayers go out to the bryant family as well as all of his friends and family who are suffering through this um derek jeter i just want to read what he wrote here um he wrote an emotional essay about bryant's relationship with his four daughters after his uh, tragic death on sunday he said and i quote all i ever needed to know about kobe bryant was this that throughout our friendship the most meaningful conversations we had they were always about family Put aside one of the all-time great basketball careers for a second. Put aside his famous work ethic, the Mamba mentality, that incredible will to win. I'll let everyone else tackle that. But when I think of Kobe, I really just end up thinking about those special few personal conversations that we were lucky enough to share together each time one of us had a new baby daughter. I end up thinking about how here was the here was this guy who was beyond gifted as an athlete, who was obsessed with being a champion, who was known as an absolute assassin with the ball in his hands. And in the moments I got to spend with him, he didn't really talk about any of that. He cared much more about being a husband to Vanessa and a dad to his girls. He loved his family, and he was his family. That's what was important, and that's the Kobe I'll remember. I want to give my deepest condolences to Vanessa and the rest of the Bryant family and to the families of the other passengers. Tragedies like this have a cruel way of reminding us of what's important in life, spending time with our loved ones and being there for them no matter what. Kobe just loved being a dad, and when it comes to his legacy, I really hope we're able to take the time to remember that is an essential part of it. Rest in peace to Gianna Bryant, rest in peace to the other passengers on board, and rest in peace to Kobe Bryant, who knew that his life was as only as important as the love that he had for the people in it. Who knew that he was born to play basketball, but it was family over everything. And you go check that article out at the Players' Tribune right now, Derek Jeter's tribute to Kobe Bryant. Now, I wanted to compare greatness here. I mean, their stats are identical when you compare them eye for eye. Obviously, Derek Jeter didn't own MLB like Kobe Bryant owned the NBA for the better part of two decades. And obviously, I mean, despite their levels of talent – both Derek Jeter and Kobe Bryant commended the respect of their peers in their sport. I mean Derek Jeter was the face of MLB for 20 years. Kobe Bryant was the face of the NBA for 20 years. You could argue, I mean LeBron stepped in, but Kobe Bryant was still the fan favorite of most and when you compare when you compare these things their, their debuts Derek Jeter debuting uh, in May of 1995, Kobe Bryant debuting in November of 96. Derek Jeter, seven World Series uh, appearances. Kobe Bryant, seven NBA Finals appearances. Derek Jeter, five World Championships. Kobe Bryant, five World Championships. Five rings each. Championship Series MVPs, Jeter has one, Kobe has two. So he's got him on that. All-star selections, Kobe's got him beat there, 16 to Jeter's 14. 14 postseason winning percentage this is probably the most impressive one Jeter and Bryant have uh, the exact same winning percentage at 61.4 percent I mean that, that that's just remarkable I mean Kobe Bryant is the face of the NBA during that era Derek Jeter is the face of MLB during that era identical identical statistics I mean even their career earnings if you look at those Derek Jeter and Kobe Bryant salaries neck and neck jeter finished with about 265 and kobe bryan about 279 and so he's got him beat a little bit there kobe Bryant, of course a lot more talented than Derek jeter but both highly respected uh first ballot hall of famers and kobe bryan obviously a first ballot hall of famer in his own right probably going to get the number 24 if not the number 24 both the number 24 and number eight retired by all of nba um uh, who knows when but Jeter, of course, retires two years before Kobe does in 2014. Kobe goes out with the 60-point performance against the Utah Jazz at the Staples Center in 2016. They become business partners afterwards, and again, it's just a very, very sad time in uh, the world today. Kobe Bryant dead at the age of 41 yesterday in a helicopter crash. His 13-year-old daughter, Gianna, uh, dies in the crash as well. Nine, nine casualties In that crash in uh, Thousand Oaks, California Again, condolences go out to the Bryant family A very, very difficult time Uh, The last thing I wanted to get into though Regarding Derek Jeter uh, On this road to Cooperstown episode of the OSHA I wanted to talk about Derek Jeter's start When he was first drafted by the Yankees Coming out of Kalamazoo uh, High School in Michigan Because Initially, he was too nervous to play for the Yankees. He actually called his mom during uh, uh, one, of the, one of the camps saying, I can't do this. I'm going to quit and come home and go to college. And his mom's like, all right, well, you're going to go to college, and that's going to be it. And if it wasn't for Jeter's mom talking him back into playing, Jeter probably wouldn't have been the shortstop of the New York Yankees for 20 years. And Jeter's parents were always uh, uh, strict with him growing up when it came to grades and everything. He's like, you can't play baseball if you don't make the grades. Jeter was always persistent on grades, getting good grades, always relentless, got his grades, as well as his sister, Charlie. And Derek says it best himself. There were so many more talented players than Derek Jeter, but nobody worked harder. Derek Jeter, and that's why he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, the second. Now, this is actually kind of ironic uh, since he didn't get that uh, vote. And let's talk a little bit about that after this. But Derek Jeter is the second... Highest voted player uh, Number two behind Mariano Rivera War number two his entire career He's going to be the second highest vote Into the National Baseball Hall of Fame In Cooperstown, New York Over the summer behind his great teammate And great friend Mariano Rivera Who's going to be the first and potentially only Unanimous Hall of Famer in big league history Making him arguably the best player ever But Derek Jeter For the one writer that didn't vote him in I'm not going to scold him like Eric Hubbs With Barstool or John Boy or any of those guys but hear me out the one argument you can make and Jared Carabas makes this argument all the time that Derek Jeter wasn't even the best shortstop on the Yankees during his career and that Arod was and that Arod was forced to move over to third when Jeter was should have moved himself to second base. I mean To me, that's a bunch of BS. Derek Jeter, the classiest guy in baseball, the hardest worker in baseball. Yeah, Alex Rodriguez, definitely a better shortstop, uh, giftedly has better raw talent than Derek Jeter ever had in his 20-year career. But Derek Jeter handled his business every day every night day in and day out the absolute best way that an athlete could handle his business never got in trouble with the media i mean the guy dated like the entire city of new york all those celebrities i mean they had it on espn the starting uh, nine the starting lineup of all the celebrities that he dated and not one of those girls ever brought up anything dirty about him you know how much dirt there is Or at least how much dirt there could be on Derek Jeter. For all of those girls not to say anything about him, he must be a pretty damn good guy. And when it comes to the actual play on the field, five world championships, never used performance-enhancing drugs, handled the media beautifully, was a friend of everyone, knew everybody's name, who he is as a person, what he accomplished on the field. It doesn't matter if he doesn't have the raw talent he should be a unanimous Hall of Famer. And to me, that's the only argument that could be made is that he didn't have the defensive stats. I mean, what, six gold gloves? I mean, that's not terrible. Yes, he's not. He doesn't have the raw talent that a Cal Ripken Jr. had or an Alex Rodriguez had or a Troy Tulowitzki had in his prime. But Derek Jeter is one of the greatest baseball players of all time, has the most hits in Yankee history, one of the top five Yankees in history to go alongside Ruth DiMaggio, Gehrig, and mantle. I mean, you got to give one vote. I mean, Mariano Rivera made his, his, his case. He said, like, it was amazing feeling to have 425 people vote for me unanimously. And sometimes you can't even get two people in the same mentality to vote for someone they believe. But to me, Derek Jeter, uh, regardless. Proud and happy that he's going in. The second, number two, most voted in Hall of Famer of all time, big league history, July 27th, 2020. Mark the date. Mark your calendar. Save the date. Derek Jeter going into the Hall of Fame. And you got to give a little love where love is due to the SpongeBob jacket wearing Larry Walker finally gets in on his final year on the ballot. Well-deserved for Larry Walker. With that being said, this was episode 148 of The O Show presented by Belly Up Sports, the road to Cooperstown for the captain, Derek Jeter. Remember to use TickPick.com. If you want to buy your tickets for the Derek Jeter uh, ceremony, for the Hall of Fame ceremony, go to TickPick to get $10 off your order using the promo code OSHO10, oshow 10 that's capital O-S-H-O-W-10, for $10 off your order. And if you're into banging weights, eating steaks, and sleeping eights, so remember, swole is the goal and size is the prize. Go to mecanutritionstore.com for $20 off your next order using the promo code capital O-S-H-O-W-20. That's OSHO 20 for $20 off your next order at Mecca Nutrition. Hit it, Hootie. <laughs>